Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Every time I would be in an atmosphere where I was seeking the Lord or just seeking God for direction for my life, it would always come back. It would always be there. And it never went away. It's still there. Like Jonah. God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah was like, no, nah, I'm going to Tarsus. God said, yeah. And when he got done getting beat up and hurled up by the great fish, God said, now go, go to Nineveh. I have not changed my mind about what I called you to do. You want to obey now? Obedience goes to Nineveh. And so he went. God won't change his mind about what he's called us to be. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. And we can be thankful for that. Has God called you to do something? Does it feel like he is taking too long to bring you into your calling? In today's message, okay. Today, Pastor Bill notes that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocably ingrained into our lives. We will never outlive the calling that God puts on us. The gifts and callings of God will never expire or go stale. No matter how long it takes to fulfill God's call, we can be assured that it will always be there. Let's not be discouraged, but realize that he has a whole life to work out his plan. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. He said, the best thing you can do for your family is to build a strong church for them to attend. And he said, that was the balance. He said, you know, the best thing you can do for your church is to make sure that your marriage is right because people are looking for how to do it. So make sure you can model it for them. Uh, make sure that you're ministering to your kids right because it's a model that other people can follow. They're trying to figure out how to do it. It's the best thing you can do for your church. Best thing you can do for your family is to build a church, have a church, have a place where people can come and be built up and to be healthy and to be right. Where your kids grow up under sound doctrine and good teaching and, and a healthy church atmosphere and environment. And so there is a balance and we're always seeking um, as believers to strike that balance. So one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. And so once again, um, his children are under his control. So I would feel like I mean, I should be able to tell my kids to do something and they do it. Um, I should be able to ask them to do whatever and they do it. I, you know, um, I, I didn't even grow up in a Christian home and my mom had that much. Now, how she got it, <laughs> you know, but I, I don't I don't remember ever, you know, talking back to my mom. Uh, I don't remember ever. You know, I've been man, me and my wife have been blown away uh, watching how some kids respond to their parents. Johnny, come here. And I, my kids look back like, what they going to do? What's, what, what's going to happen? Like, whoa, like just waiting to see, like, what, like I've never seen that before, you know, and, and it's just a foreign thing. You know, we, we, it shouldn't be right. Uh, it's not it's not unloving to have order and discipline for your kids. They'll need it. When the Bible says train up a child in the way you should go, consider this. If your child can't obey you and be submissive to you then that's going to hurt them everywhere else. It, it won't work anywhere else. It won't work at school. If they're going to do poor at school because they won't, they don't submit there. They'll do poor in the world. They ever get a job, they're going to do poor in that arena. It's going to hurt them for the rest of life. But most of all, it's going to hurt their relationship with the Lord because they haven't learned to submit to you. And then God's going to, just like you want, you're telling them to do things they don't want to do, but they don't want to do it. And they, they impose their will upon you and don't do it. Well, that'll, that'll play out in their walk with the Lord. God's, I, I know God said, don't do that, but I'm going to do it anyway, because that's how I've been raised. I do what I want. I at least want my kids to know when you do what you want, you get spanked because won't God spank you? <laughs> Anybody ever been touched up by the Lord? So um, I want to I want to be fair, raise them, train them up in the way they should go, not just let them go. So 
um, having his own children in submission with all reverence. Verse five, it says, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? And so that's God's word. If you can't minister at home, how are you going to minister in my church? Um, it won't happen. So that's a criteria qualification. Then it says in verse six, not a novice, at least being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. So an overseer is not to be a, a, a new convert, a new believer. Um, the word novice there, it, it, the, the word means a newly planted tree. And the idea is if you take someone that they're just barely saved and you put them in that place, they're going to be filled up with pride and fall into the same condemnation as the devil. We've all seen where some star makes a proclamation of their faith and then right away they're pulled up to TV and doing testimonials and, you know, almost they're preaching already. And I'm like, he just said he got saved last month. Let the brother sit at church for a minute. Somebody disciple him. Um, and it, it, it rarely goes well for those guys. They get they get blown up real quick. It's like even though they're a star, they're a human being with flesh. Their flesh has been built up their whole life. And they're the other. Let them be built up. Let them get discipled. They need to be built up. So guys, it's not a novice, not a new believer, not a newly planted tree, a newly planted. Let them be watered for a while. Let them grow. Let them get their roots down. Let them be built up. And if that's what God has for them, this is a cool thing with a calling from God. God won't change his mind. So some guys, I feel like God's called me to do this. That, that'll, it'll be there. It'll be there for years. It'll never go away. It'll always be there. That's one way that I've learned to confirm that which is from God and that which is kind of a fleeting thought. The things that are from the Lord in my life, they don't go away. You know, there's a point where I felt called to be a pastor for many years. And, you know, I wasn't a pastor yet, but I was, you know, going to Bible college and I was serving in different ministries, but I felt called to be a pastor. And every time I would be in an atmosphere where I was seeking the Lord or just seeking God for his direction for my life, it would always come back. It would always be there. And it never went away. It's still there. Like Jonah. God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah was like, no, nah, I'm going to Tarsus. God said, yeah. And when he got done getting beat up and hurled up by the great fish, God said, now nah, go, go to Nineveh. I have not changed my mind about what I called you to do. You want to obey now? Obedience goes to Nineveh. And so he went. God won't change his mind about what he's called us to be. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. And we can be thankful for that. So now switching gears from the overseer or pastor. Now it says uh, the deacons. And again, a deacon is one. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I skipped verse uh, seven. It says, moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside. Least he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So last qualification for an overseer is that he's got to have a good testimony among even non-believers. Y'all know how church folk can do. We can come here and, and have a great testimony among each other. Oh, sister Sally Sue is so awesome. Every time I see her, she just just so happy and bubbly. And I said, how you doing, sister Sally Sue? I'm blessed and favored of God. Oh, she's all here. And then you go to her house, though. And her neighbors is like, she, she'd be kicking our trash cans over. She cussed out my kids for riding a bike on the grass. You know, he said, you need to have a good testimony, even among those who are outside, that your life is not compartmentalized. Because some people know how to do church, but we are the church. And we need to be very mindful of that when you go out there. So everybody here can consider, what's your testimony like here? What's your character like in the body? But even more, what's your character like out there? What would your neighbors say? We interview your coworkers, neighbors, people that just observe you in normal. What would they say? When they say, oh, you know, he's, he's at church every, he go to church? You, you know he don't, you know, get out of here, you know. What would they say about you? Uh, an overseer, 
His character needs to be something that's consistent, but hey, so should yours. Yours should be, people shouldn't be blown away if they find out you go to church. Um, that, that, that would mean that you're doing something wrong out there. So um, it should be consistent. Now, now verse uh, eight moves over into deacons or those that serve in the church. Uh, and again, a deacon, uh, it is simply someone, uh, someone that's serving. It's someone that's serving. And so everybody here that's in ministry involved, serving in some way, it's, that's a deacon's role. Uh, where did we get our first deacons from? Everybody remember in the Bible? We went through the book in Acts, Acts 6, right? Uh, they had a little uh, problem in the early church. The church was growing and they had a issue where the Hebrew women and the Hellenists, those are the, you know, the Greek speaking Hebrew women, they were being treated unfairly in the daily distribution of food that would go out to the widows. And so they, the, 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 uh, the apostles said, look, we don't want to have to leave what we're supposed to be doing. We don't want to have to leave uh, the, the time of prayer and the, the word of God to serve tables. So we need to raise up some men to do this work. And so they had a criteria. Now, they had a criteria for men that were going to just serve food at tables full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, good reputation among the body, just to serve tables. So sometimes people look at us funny and say, I want to help out. Okay, we want to do discipleship with you. We want to figure out when we want to know who you are, want you to know what we're about. We want to, just, we, we're not just throwing people into service. Um, there, there, there's a criteria for there just to serve tables. And so we had those men that were raised up, Stephen and Philip, and, and um, there was a group of guys that were raised up to do the work. We saw some of those guys go on to do even more later, and we'll come to that. And so, moreover, I'm sorry, verse 8 now, likewise a deacon, he must be, and it gives a criteria for those that would serve in that capacity, must be reverent. The word reverent there, it means grave. The idea is that he takes it serious. And that's something I definitely desire with people that serve in church. I, whatever you do, I just take it serious. There's a brother who, uh, and I'll, I'll say it because he's not here today. There's a guy who when we, uh, we, we moved over to one of the other schools and we had a prayer meeting on a Friday night and the bathroom was nasty. And we went in the bathroom and was like, oh man, this is, people won't want to use this on Sunday. And so I said, okay, we're going to need somebody to, to kind of commit to come and freshen up the bathrooms. And he said, oh, I'll do it. And he went and bought a kit. He went and bought a little kit with wheels and disinfectants and all this stuff. It's got a lock so kids can't get into the dangerous chemicals. And he comes early every Sunday when nobody's here yet. And he scrubs the bathrooms out, top to bottom, disinfects them, you know, all this stuff. Now, today, him and his wife were sick at home with the flu. He got up and came, busted it out, and then went back home to his wife. And I'm saying, I mean, he's, that's a... Now, it's not a notable job. We're, no one knows. You guys, many, many guys don't even know who he is. It's, it's all done before many of you even get here on a Sunday. Um, but that's his job, and he takes it serious. He does it for the Lord. And he comes every Sunday, and he does it. You guys know the last school we were at, we had multiple bathrooms. He would get there and do this one and that one and the big ones for the little kids. Here, you know, it's a little easier, but it never complains, never says. Hey, he don't let us buy the chemicals. He buys his own stuff, brings mops and this and that. Takes it serious. So if you do something for the Lord, if you're serving, grave, take it serious. Count it a privilege that you get to do something for the Lord. Don't despise the days of small things. Don't look at it like, well, it's only this. So I just do that like whatever. Do it as unto the Lord. Whatever it is that you do, do it with all your heart. Do it as unto the Lord. Colossians 3, 23, knowing that you serve the Lord God. You're doing it for God, not for men. So uh, grave, uh, reverent, uh, the next thing, he's not double tongued. Um, that one's really important. Those that serve in the church are kind of in between the the um, 
the congregation and the pastors. And God said, I don't, I don't want people serving me that are two faced, double tongue. No, nobody here likes somebody two faced. What does that mean? What does double tongue mean? Um, it means this. If maybe, you know, among the leadership, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, blah, blah, see, I, I agree. I understand. That's great. And then over here with this other group, you're like, they said this. I think that's crazy. That's stupid. What does that create in a group of people? Division. God says, so that those that are serving, you can't be double tongue. Say the same thing everywhere. You know, be the same way. Some people are, that's a problem that some people have. It's like, okay, I want to I wanna be pleasing over here, so I'm going to say what I think they want me to say over here. That's not really what I really feel, but I'm a liar, so I'm going to say it anyway. Then I'm over here with my real friends, I'm going to say what I really think. If you serve God and that's your character, you're disqualified. God says, don't be double-tongued. Don't be two-faced. Be real. Everybody can appreciate somebody that's real, honest. Uh, the people in my life I appreciate most are the people that tell me what I don't want to hear sometimes. I love my wife. Uh, my wife is probably the most honest person for me. You know, I, you know, I may give a Bible study or something and I talk to her. And if my wife says that was really good, I, that was all, I followed you real clear. That's like, oh, praise God. And it was it was good today. You know, if she said, I don't know what you're talking about here. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> I got to do better. You know, so but she's not going to lie to me. She's going to tell me the truth. Um, she's not going to say one thing here somewhere, somewhere else. That's a quality that God's looking for in those that will serve. Not double tongue. So you can everybody consider yourself in that. Uh, do I behave? Am I the same person? Do I say the same thing? Uh, am I two faced? Am I double tongue? It's not a good characteristic. And so, again, for the, the deacons or those that were serving that way, not double tongue, not not given to much wine here. So the the overseers not given to wine, the the deacons not given to much wine. Um, we've taken the same uh, stance here with those that serve. Anyone here that's served, we've asked that. Um, that it is a liberty. You could have some, you could have a drink, but we're as a liberty that we lay down, uh, that we might be fruitful in service, not stumble other people, not leave a door open in our own lives. So that's a standard that we we have here. So, um, but not given to much wine, not greedy for money. So a deacon is also just like the overseer, not to be a person that's greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. Um, so even though they're just serving, maybe in, in not their, their, their service is not in the word, per se, like an overseer teaching the word. But they're they're holding the mystery. They're holding. They know the word of God. They know the gospel and they they hold it with a pure conscience. Um, that, that has to do with the way that you're living your life. That has to do with character. Uh, how do you get a bad conscience when you're doing bad things? Right. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, if, if, if God says, I want you to be able to hold this with a good conscience. That's the kind of people I want serving me. People with a good conscience. You're not looking over your shoulder saying, oh, they, do, they, do they know? Do they find out? No, you got a good conscience. Everybody here knows what it feels like to be guilty and wonder if you're going to get caught. Um, that's a bad conscience, even if you don't get caught. The fact is you had to be thinking about it. Got a dirty conscience. Guys, I want you to hold the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. Just knowing I'm, I'm living for the Lord. That, that there's nothing. I'm not looking over my shoulder for, uh, for anything. And so hold the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. Verse 10. But let these also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons being found blameless. So it says, let them first be tested um, that we're not to just throw someone into service. Um, let them prove them. Let them be proven for a while. So we ask someone's going to serve that they be here for a while. So we have a chance to get to know who you are. Um, you may come alongside and shadow someone else and help out for a while. So we learn about you, how you deal in different situations and, you know, what kind of attitudes you have when, you, you know, when, you, when it's time to be flexible. Are you the one out there kicking cans, pouting, you know, are you causing division and tearing up stuff or you just we learn a lot about each other as we just get to be together. And so 
I think sometimes the best training ground for ministry and service is many times just getting together and start. Let's just do something. Let's let's step out and go serve together in some way. We'll learn a whole lot about one another as we do so. Um, so let them be let them let them first be tested and let them serve as deacons being found blameless. Now, I believe in verse 11, um, it says, likewise, their wives. And I don't think that's a proper translation. Um, the, in the in the original language, the word wise is gune. It just means women. So the idea was that probably for the interpreters that the, the, the men that were serving in this role, their wives would also be serving, which is not a bad assumption, but it, it leaves it as though only the wives could do this. So there could be women that are in the church that are single women that are serving as deaconesses as well. So it would be a better translation would be a deaconess instead of a wife, not just the wife of the deacon or the wife of the pastor, but women in the church that serve. That would be a better translation here in verse 11. So likewise, the women that are serving, likewise, the deaconess is not just the deacon's wife, um, though it would apply to someone that serves wife. First thing it says about her, just like for the, the husband um, or the, the men that serve, she must be reverent, um, not slanderers. I don't know why it says that to the women. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying real hard not to be funny, but uh, it says not slanderers. We know you ladies like to talk it up a lot. And so God says, hey, you ladies that serve. Oh, bless you. He loves you. Don't be slanderers. Watch your mouths as you talking to your girlfriends, as you on the phone, as you going back and forth. God says, be careful that you're not slandering, talking bad about people behind their back. It's not there for nothing. Deacon can't be double tongued. This apply right on up the thing. But God says to the women serving, um, let them be reverent, which we already looked at. Not slanderers, um, not using your mouth to tear down, uh, which it is a common thing. Men do it, too. Uh, but it is uh, it's a common thing. Ladies get together and y'all be cutting each other up and then talking about sister Sally Sue and and y'all be in her face. like, How you doing? And so God says, don't do that. Don't do that. Love them. Some of this, this is the thing. One of the best ways we can love on people is and it's, it's really important. The way I speak about someone in their absence, right? That's one, it reveals my true heart towards them. But if somebody is saying things about you in your absence that are really uplifting and build you up, how do you feel when you hear that? When you, if you find out, you, if, you, if you find out, oh, you know what, they were talking about you, and what they say? I think that they said all these great things. You'd be like, they said that about me? It would build you, feel good. It would minister to you. You feel blessed. How does that feel when it's flipped around? They said something and it was bad. Yeah, feelings be hurt. The devil get up in there and, and, and use it to just jab. And God says, so be careful how we use our mouths. Right. This tool, it's a tool and it could do great good. It could do great damage. It could do great damage. Um, I've been amazed over the years at things that didn't seem like much to me and how it, it, it was an encouragement to someone. And I'm like, that's it, really? I didn't, I didn't, you know, what even I didn't even throw no extra sauce on it, you know, just just said whatever, you know. Um, and I realized that, that that's a double-edged sword. And you can say something negative about somebody behind their back, and they hear it through another source, and they're just hurt. So God says, the women that serve, don't be slanderers. Um, temperate, again, self-controlled, faithful in all things. Verse 12, let the deacons be the husband of one wife. So a man serving in church needs to also be a, a one-woman man, can't be a player. 
Uh, we'll kick you out, beat you up first. Uh, <laughs> just be a one woman man, love your wife, uh, ruling his children and in their own household, just like the pastor. The men that serve in the church were always encouraging, man, minister to your family first. Uh, priority. Pour into them, love on them, build up them. And everything you do here, let it be an overflow of that being right. Um, that rule their, uh, I'm sorry, ruling their children in their own houses well. And then verse 13, really, uh, uh, I think it's an encouragement. It says, for those who have served well as deacons, obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So those that have served God in this manner, God says, look, they 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 get for themselves. There's a there's a reward. There's a blessing. They obtain for themselves a good standing and a great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And I'm running on short on time. I'm trying to really go through them. But just to mention a, a couple of the guys that we saw in Acts that just started out serving tables. Uh, we had Stephen, who ended up being the first martyr of the early church. And if you guys read the sermon that Stephen preached. It's one of the most word heavy sermons uh, in all of scripture. And he gave it. It wasn't a prepared sermon. He got up in the midst of persecution. He gave a strong, strong word. Men were cut to the heart. They were so pierced by what he said that they, they, they and they didn't want to respond. They didn't want to you know, concede or yield to what the Lord was saying. They killed him. They stoned him for it. He died and went to heaven as a first martyr, first known martyr in the book of Acts, Stephen. Start off just serving tables. Then we got Philip. Philip who became, what did Philip become? Philip the what? The who? The evangelist, right? He, so Philip was just serving tables. We find out later he's got the gift of evangelism. And he's out there preaching the gospel and people are getting saved and God's calling him and he goes to Ethiopia and, and ministers to the Ethiopian eunuch that's coming back with the, the scroll of Isaiah and say God, this guy saved and baptized. Um, and the Lord's using his life. These guys have just started off just serving tables, deacons. And so I would say for all those serving and, and just maybe practical ways that none of us would ever despise the days of what would seem to be small things. That God is working great things in us as we yield ourselves to serve him in, in, in basic ways. And um, I look back at when, you know, I, I knew that I was called to be a pastor and didn't know how it would happen or what. And I was going to Bible college and it all came together on a mission trip. I got invited to go on a mission trip to Ensenada where they were building uh, rooms at an orphanage. For you guys that know me, you know that I have no building skills whatsoever. But I'm big and I can carry stuff. So I went to be that guy. I'm like, hey, I'll be I'll be the gopher. I'll carry some logs, some wood, some hammers. Uh, you know, I, I got no skilled labor, but I can carry some things. And I went out there on that trip and it happened to be a trip that the youth pastors took youth out. And I was there and I love kids and I'm there with the youth and I enjoyed them. And I got the first time I ever taught at Calvary Chapel was in Ensenada to a group of youth on the top of a roof at the morning devotion. I got to break bread, break the word for the first time. And I remember coming back from that trip and the guy that led it said, man, you should you should get involved. You know, I'm praying that you come back and serve here with us. And I prayed about it. the Lord end up having me go there and serve. And so he let me teach. Let me get involved. Let me serve as a as a minister there and teaching the kids. And little by little, that ended up becoming the, the catalyst for, you know, my serving in, in 11 years at Calvary Chapel down here as a youth pastor. And I'm like, man, how did that come about? Going to Ensenada, shoveling dirt. We built a house out of pallets. 
Uh, before it was all popular to build things with pallets, <laughs> but we built a house out of, or a, a structure out of pallets. And it was in that, that God, you know, gave other things. And so maybe you're serving in some way that you can't see where it's going to end. Don't worry about that. Be faithful in your service to the Lord. First Timothy 4, verse 7 through 10 says this, training yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is a value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. We all know exercise is good for the body, but have you considered lately how your soul needs exercise too? We have a long race ahead of us before we get to go home to the Father, and we need to be in shape for the journey. You've made a great first step by being here with us on a transforming word. Hearing the word of God transforms our lives. What's your next training step? Is it to spend some time in prayer or perhaps to go out and find a place to serve? Or maybe it is to take the step of giving. Whatever it is, embrace your soul training today. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. In this series, Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the book of 1 Timothy, where we find many golden nuggets of wisdom for the journey. If your next step in training is to give, hop on over to calvaryinglewood.org to give online. Or you can download our app and give from there. Once again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. Thank you for being a part of this ministry. We'll see you here next time as we journey together here on A Transforming Word.